Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Trinity. I want to say a special welcome to you if you're joining us from home. Uh, we're glad to have you as part of our online congregation. True, whole prayer is nothing but love. St. Augustine, 5th century North African bishop. That's why we pray, pray. We got to pray. We got to pray just to make it today. M.C. Hammer, 20th century poet and preacher. <laughs> Our sermon this morning lies somewhere between M.C. Hammer and St. Augustine. We're talking about pray and praying just to make it today. If you're just tuning in, uh, you might not know that we've been journeying for a while through Mark's gospel. And as we journey with Jesus, he's got some pretty um, strong requests of us. He's asking that we take up our cross and follow him. Uh, he's telling us that we have to be the servant of all, that we have to welcome young children in his name. And I thought that it might be important for us this morning to stop and remember the context in which Jesus is teaching them. That all of these expectations and sense that he's creating of his disciples, they're all done within a context of prayer. And if you're familiar with the Gospels, you might know that it says that Jesus wakes up early in the morning and he finds a quiet place to pray and he goes off and he prays before he starts his long day of ministry. And so I'm reminding you this morning that everything the Lord is asking of us, he's asking us to live it out of a, a life of prayer, a life out of time spent with him. And so when I saw that, that our epistle reading and James this morning was about prayer, I said, let's just take a moment to remember and to stop and to focus on prayer. And so this morning, we have an invitation into loving union with God through a life of prayer. Up until now, so this is the end of James' letter. Up until now, in James' letter, it's focused on a lot of what we might call today social justice issues. And James is teaching these people that, hey, saying you have faith isn't enough. We actually need to demonstrate a life of works. True faith is demonstrated through works that are consistent with the faith and the, and the God in whom we say we believe, right? And so James has been talking with them. It's really a letter that's a lot about action, perhaps more about action than any other, past, any other letter we have in the Bible, and then as we get to the closing of the letter, James reminds us that the one thing we must do in every situation and in all that we do is pray. He says this, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Just this last week, we found out that one of our parishioners in Los Angeles lost their mom uh, to a long battle with cancer. And she was naming that something that was comforting her in this time uh, was an album called Mercy that had recently come out over this last year by a, a LA-based artist named Natalie Bergman. I'm not sure if any of you know Natalie Bergman, she was in a band with her brother called Wild Bell. And you can go online and read interviews about this album and kind of how it came about. 
Um, basically, last year, her stepfather, was, I'm sorry, her father and stepmom were involved in a tragic uh, car accident. Um, and she describes in the interview how through this event, she lost her identity. She said, I was very close with him, and I had lost my mother when I was 16. She had brain cancer. So when I lost my dad, I felt completely untethered and had no attachment to anything. I didn't have any sort of umbrella of a parental figure, and so it was impossibly disorienting. I was like, who am I? Am I a musician? Am I an artist? I wasn't able to create anything because I was so deeply heart hurt and heartbroken. And she goes on to say that she knew that she just needed to pray. She said, I needed to talk to God and I needed answers. And she actually went and checked herself into a monastery. And she went out into the desert with these monks that were praying, you know, like seven times a day, right? They were praying the offices and she was wake up in the middle of the cold night and walk this desert trail and praying the Psalms with the monks. And it was out of this experience of, of praying and reflecting on all the hurt and the loss that she has experienced and talking to God in that quiet place, it was out of that experience that this album, Mercy, was birthed. And if you're familiar with the Psalms and monastic prayer or the daily office that we use here, then you will listen to her songs and notice that the Psalms are there and they have influenced it. She describes these songs as children's songs. And they have, a, in a sense, a very simplicity to them and innocence. And indeed, my kids do enjoy listening and even singing with these songs in the car. And the first song of the album goes like this. When you are scared, reach out your hand. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. If you are sad, he'll dry your tears. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Such a simple yet incredibly honest song, birth out of pain, but also the experience of consolation. And this is how I read James's letter this morning. If any of you are in trouble, let them pray. If you're scared, if you're sad, reach out your hand and talk to the Lord. It might seem for us almost too simplistic or too childlike, but indeed, this is the very way of Christ. When you're in trouble, what we need to do is talk to the Lord. He's there, we can talk to him. I find this to be comforting in a year like 2021, after a year like 2020, this pandemic that we've been in, just over the last um, two to three weeks, I guess, in our church, we've had at least two parishioners lose their moms. It's been a difficult year for so many of us in ways maybe that we have named in ways that we haven't named. And friends, what I wanna remind you this morning is that you can talk to the Lord. You can bring it to him in prayer. If you're in trouble, you can pray and you can talk to Jesus. If you're in trouble, pray. But we're not all in trouble, and that's a good thing, 
And James has something to say maybe to the rest of us. James says, and you know what? If you're not in trouble, if you're happy, then you need to pray, but you need to sing your prayers. And we do that in the church as well, right? Every hymn we pray in church, every song is really just a prayer put to words. And basically what he is saying is that in every situation, no matter where you find yourself, whether you find yourself in the deepest, darkest trouble you can imagine in your life, or whether you're just happy and forgot that you ever had troubles, spend time in prayer. I received an email yesterday from uh, someone who's newly started coming to our church with their family, and he was letting me know, hey, I'm not gonna be there tomorrow. Kind of like half the family is sick. And you know what, could you pray for us? We're like kind of discouraged because it feels like we've been sick for a long time now. And I want you to know that is exactly the kind of thing that James has in mind here when he writes to the church and he says, hey, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, you might not want to register every little headache that you have at home, right? Sometimes you might just need to go take a Tylenol or something, right? I do that for sure. But I just want to impress upon you, especially if you're sick and you're feeling burdened by your sickness, if it's something that feels to you major or you're just really discouraged and feeling weak, do not suffer alone. You need to call your brothers and sisters. You need to let the leadership of the church. We want to know. We want to be praying with you. We want to pray for you, uh, especially if something happens and you're going to the hospital or maybe a loved one of yours is going to the hospital, someone close to you. Let us know. We want to be there. We want to pray. We want to pray with you. This is what James is, is inviting us to do. Hey, if you're sick, have the elders of the church come and pray. You might not know this, but that word elders in Greek is the word presbyteros. And that word presbyteros is where we get the word presbyter from. It's also where we get the word priest. Priest is just an English kind of corruption of the Greek word presbyteros. Elders of the church, leaders of the church, people who have been who the church has recognized, hey, we're gonna set these folks apart to help lead the church. And a main part of what leaders of the church do is they just lead through a life of prayer. And, and it's all of our job to pray for one another, but it's especially, if you think about your priest, my number one job is to lift you up in prayer. And so I wanna just encourage you, if there's something in your life that you especially feel like you need prayer for, give us a chance to agree in prayer with you. And then James goes on. He says, and a prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The first thing I want to address here is, is there some kind of connection between our sins, you might say our personal sins, things we've done, and the reason why we're sick. Now, this seems to have been a big question, especially in their day. And if you don't know, they posed this question to Jesus. And his answer there was at least, well, not always, right? If you remember that story, that episode, they said, is this person sick because he was sick or his parents? And he said, no, it's actually none of that. It's something else. And so the answer is not always. But then James' letter would actually lead us to think, well, maybe sometimes. Maybe sometimes what we're suffering, what we're going through has to do with some kind of unforgiven sin, something we need to repent of, something we need to let go. At least indirectly, Christians believe that, that sickness isn't what God intended for the world, right? 
in that we had this thing called the fall, that God had created the world good and beautiful and perfect and without sin and without sickness, but because of some kind of fall, some kind of way that we walked away from God, some kind of way that we rejected his good and loving ways for us, that sin and sickness and death came into the world. And so James has this idea that maybe sometimes when we're sick, there's something that we need to confess. And I would just say, if ever there's a sin that you need to confess, whether you're sick or not, confess it. That's a good thing. That's something we want to do. So is sickness and personal sin related? I would just say, not always. You don't have to go there, but it's a possibility. What I really wanted to focus on for a minute is this idea of confess your sins uh, one to each other and pray for each other. James expects that they can just do that. And one question I want to ask for us is what kind of community do we have to create or what kind of space do we have to create for something like this to happen? Some of us come to church quite often, uh, but maybe that involves not a lot of interaction, you know, especially during COVID. We got our mask and we come in, we're greeted, right? We'll say hi to one another. We have worship and maybe we greet each other with a few words and then before you know it, we're gone. Good, fine. But that experience doesn't really create the kind of community of vulnerability, of trust that might be required for someone like me to tell you what I'm struggling with, right? And to ask for prayer. So how, how do we create space for this? And here, I just wanna say that we are gonna create space for this. We are gonna create space to create the kind of trust and the kind of, kind of vulnerability and basically the time that it just takes to receive each other's stories and to pray for one another. And that in our church will take place, in the, especially in the context of small groups. We've called them in the past neighborhood groups or small groups, life groups, um, or maybe table groups, as I've called them, because I like the idea of kind of gathered around a table. And we're not gonna have time to launch them before the end of the year. We'll be launching them in January. So I just want you to hold a place in your mind to know that this is something that's very important to us, something that we're gonna work on starting. Um, but we don't have to have the formal structure of, the, of a pastor saying, hey, now we start groups to do this, right? We can still find ways to foster community and vulnerability in prayer and even reflection on scripture. And so I just wanna ask you maybe what are some of the ways that you're hungry for that? What are some of the ways that you can foster that even with maybe your own friends, maybe people in the church that you know? These things are central, as James is getting at, to what it means to follow Christ. We've gotta create a space, in a sense, to receive each other, time for prayer, time to reflect on the things in our life that we wanna change and ask each other for help. So that's a little teaching from James' book on prayer this morning. And James is kind of like a practical, kind of straightforward uh, teacher. And I like that. What I wanted to do as we conclude our sermon this morning is I wanted you to hear an invitation uh, from a guy named Richard Foster. Some of you will know Richard Foster. He wrote a really popular book called The Celebration of Discipline. And he also wrote a book called Prayer. And it's a good book. I recommend it. And I wanna read to you kind of at length his intro, maybe a little bit longer than we would normally uh, read a quotation in church. But the reason I wanna read it, because more than anything, I don't want you to hear this morning 
John's giving me one more thing I gotta do. Okay, I gotta do this, 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 and now I gotta go home and pray more, right? The last thing I think any of us need in our life this morning is to feel guilty about not doing one more thing we know we need to do. More than some list of things we need to do, I want us just to hear God's heart for us. How much God loves us and how he is inviting us to use the framework of foster, he's inviting us home. Almost like a parent or a grandparent that just loves us so intensely and so non-judgmentally and so as we are, and really just wants us to be there and to talk with him. And so I'm gonna read at length, and I just want you to open up your heart to what the Lord might say to you through this. Coming home, an invitation to prayer God has graciously allowed me to catch a glimpse of his heart, and I want to share with you what I have seen. Today, the heart of God is an open wound of love. He aches over our distance and preoccupation. He mourns that we do not draw near to him. He grieves that we have forgotten him. He weeps over our obsession with muchness and manyness. He longs for our presence. He is inviting you and me to come home, to come home to where we belong, to come home to that for which we were created. His arms are stretched out wide to receive us. His heart is enlarged to take us in. Far too long have we been in a far country, a country of noise and hurry and crowds a country of climb and push and shove, a country of frustration and fear and intimidation. And he welcomes us home, home to serenity and peace and joy, home to friendship and fellowship and openness, home to intimacy and acceptance and affirmation. And just in case there's any of us that feel like we have been far from home for far too long and we feel a little uncomfortable about returning home, I'm gonna read one more paragraph. We do not need to be shy. He invites us into the living room of his heart where we can put on old slippers and share freely. He invites us into the kitchen of his friendship where chatter and batter mix in good fun. He invites us into the dining room of his strength where we can feast to our heart's delight. He invites us into the study of his wisdom where we can learn and grow and stretch and ask all the questions we want. He invites us into the workshop of his creativity where we can be co-laborers with him, working together to determine outcomes of events. He invites us into the bedroom of his rest where new peace is found and where we can be naked and vulnerable and free. And it is also the place of deepest intimacy where we know and are known to the fullest. And Foster says that there is a key to the door, the key to this home, the heart of God is prayer. And so friends, as we enter into a moment of silent reflection, 
I want to encourage you just to reflect on the heart of God, how much he loves you, how much he wants to welcome you home, how he's ready to spend time with you, wants you to talk to him. Amen.